Well, hello there, team. Wade Skalski here, problem solver, playwright, and founder of Clear the Field. Today is episode 3A, Reset, Pull Yourself Up by Your Bootstraps. So, here we go. Well, what are we talking about today? Well, there is this culture, it's an American thing, mostly. There's this cultural uh, sort of feeling, this cultural story that, you know, every successful person has pulled themselves up by their bootstraps and that they have uh, done it by themselves. So it's this idea that the self-made man or the self-made woman, and uh, they are 100% responsible for their own success. Now, people are responsible for their own success, for sure. But no one has ever accomplished anything big. Uh, no one's put a dent in the universe by themselves. Even people who are, let's say, an artist that just does paintings or does, some, you know, like Michelangelo or whatever, they had, they, had pa they had patrons that helped them. They had to have people help them to distribute their, their works. They had to have people help them along the way. So this idea that you are 100% responsible for your success or failure and that you have to do everything yourself is a fallacy. And it's exciting. I mean, it feels good to say I'm a self-made man. It feels good to say that I'm 100% responsible for my success. But that is a very short-sighted and bad strategy to accomplish anything. I know that because I did it for 20 years. Uh, I, you know, I ran my own law firm. I was sort of a lone maverick almost. I was a solo practitioner. I resisted hiring people to help me. I resisted uh, any manner of help. And the one thing that always helped me out or bailed me out when I got into trouble was my relationships with other people. So, you know, I have an attorney network that I have developed over the years. You know, they have helped me when I get stuck. They refer me cases, they help me out, whatever. I have all of my old clients who I have established all those relationships over the years that, uh, you know, have become referral sources for me, for clients, you know, or, or new business. And so people are incredibly important. And the culture tells us, though, that you know, the rugged individualism of the Americans. And yeah, absolutely, we are individualistic in, in that we get to pick the direction that we get to aim our life. We get to point ourselves upward. And that is a very individual thing. You can be an employee. You can be an entrepreneur. You can be a CEO. You can be an artist. You can be a fireman. You can be a policeman. That's the rugged, individual, rugged individualism is that what are you attracted to? And what direction do you point your life? You can do, literally, there's an infinite number of things that you can do. You can create new jobs for that don't even exist, right? That's the funny thing I always think about. If, if we were to go back to total anarchy and there was like an EMP that went off in the atmosphere and destroyed all the technology and we went back to the Stone Age, there's whole slews of jobs that people wouldn't know what to do, like a light engineer, Okay, like that person, not very helpful in zombie apocalypse. Okay, uh, there's all sorts of jobs that like literally almost all the jobs that are have been created by by people are of almost no use in a zombie apocalypse because our economy is so complicated and sophisticated that you can literally be anything. You can even invent it. Okay, I invented clear the field, the concept of we're going to we're going to put together a coaching class with people who are looking to get legal services like that doesn't really exist okay i invented it i was like this is a good idea you know doing a class for people that are seeking to do clean up their record will help increase the chances that the uh, moving papers will be granted and also they will leave better than i found them because it'll have some skills they didn't have before no matter what so it's not just a legal service it's a legal service plus pointing them in a new direction like that didn't exist i made it up clear the field totally out of my head and that's the rugged individualism that's great in America. But in order for me to pull that off, I need to enlist and persuade people. And think of it this way. So there's this, if you, there, there's a movie that you watch, right? And in the movie, there's always, uh, let's say there's a group, of, a group of guys, okay? And they're warriors and they're in enemy territory. And they're, they're being pursued or they're trying to avoid being detected. And there's, they all have, you know, various skills. And there's one guy that's the scout. And the, the leader looks at the scout and tells him to go in a certain direction. The scout leaves and then you don't see him for a while. And then he comes back and he tells everyone the information, including the how many gray whiskers 
you know, the opposing force has, and he brings back a couple swords of guys he killed that came upon him, unluckily, and, and that guy is, like, super competent, okay? There's nothing he can't do. There's no situation that he can't uh, handle, and he's he, but he does it himself, right? I was, like, so attracted to that character whenever I would see him in a movie or a book because I just thought that was so cool that someone could be that competent that the guy rolls in and there's nothing that he can't do. And as a result of that, what I try to do is I try to get all these disparate skills, like I, I, like a jack-of-all-trades sort of thing, you know, jack-of-all-trades but a master of none. And so I have a lot of really, like, weird, nonsensical, non-connected skills because of that because in my brain I was like, I have to be able to do everything. And that's from that rugged individualism situation. But in anything that you want to do, you've got to you've got to specialize in and focus in to really be successful, and then delegate and outsource everything else, right? And so that's why this like pull yourself up by your bootstraps. It can have really profound consequences depending upon how far you take it. So for me, for instance, I didn't hire anyone in my law firm. That was that was dumb. I I didn't focus on a, a few things. I tried to get good at everything. That was dumb. And then I didn't accept help when people would offer it to me because I was like, no, I have to do this myself. That was dumb. So that was like 20 years of that. Now, you can muscle and force things and make money. You can. And so we, we had a certain level of success. You know, I, I paid my bills. I was able, we were able to do um, fertility for my, my first, for my daughter, you know, and that we were able to pay for that. And so there's a certain level of success that you can do by sheer work by yourself. But you will burn out. And you will also you will also uh, sort of hit a ceiling. You won't be able to go farther than that. And that is that is a classic pull yourself up by your bootstraps mistake. People try to do that all the time. And so what we want to do is we want to start kicking this idea around in our heads. Okay, that's not great. Like we want to get as many people as humanly possible persuaded to what our, our sacred mission is. Okay. So number one, you need to know what your sacred mission is. We'll talk more about that later. Number two. You have to learn how to persuade people. And number three, when some, it's like, it's like the end of uh, my cousin Vinny. She's like, when she's like, oh, you, I can't do the voice, but she's like, oh, you just go win case after case after case. And all these people help you. And at the end of it, you have to say, thank you. That, that end of that thing where he's upset that, that he got a little bit of help to win the case because he wanted to do it himself. That is classic American rugged individualism pitfall. And so. The one thing that I want us to kick around on this, this idea of the pulling up by our bootstraps, is uh, you, the skills that you want to start to develop are how many people can I persuade for what I'm trying to do and be happy when you enlist people and give the credit away. Because credit, the sort of the egoistic I did it, is uh, not, does not serve you. It hurts you. There's, there's all these costs that are involved in it that you don't even get to see. And that's the that's the sort of the insidious thing about it is that when you adopt a philosophy of I'm going to do it, I'm going to pull. It's like my two and a half year old. She wants to do everything herself and she she's fine, but she's two and a half. So she needs help with everything, but she doesn't want help. So she creates all these problems for herself that she doesn't even know that she's creating for herself because she wants to do it herself and she doesn't have the skills yet. That's what we do, except for we're doing it when people are depending upon us with lots of money flying around either in business relationships or creative problems, uh, creative projects. So, and the costs are unseen. You don't see them and you see them later. Maybe like once you start to get some perspective, you're like, Oh man, that was not the way to do it for the last 20 years. And so you then, when that price starts to hit you, you've got to really get into the, some of the, some of the headspace work to get over that because I, I can't tell you the more perspective I get on enlisting people's aid, persuading people to my cause, clarifying my sacred mission, the more I realize how little or none of that I did for the first 20 years and the cost, I mean the sheer cost in time and missed opportunity and carnage in relationships and stress and financial stress and relationship stress and, and all for what? So that I could say I did it? Well, yeah, what did you do? Well, I, I did it the dumbest way possible. That's that's what I can say. It's like, yeah, I did it, dot, 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 the dumbest way possible. So I've stepped on that landmine for you for 20 years, and I don't want you to do it. And so, you know, we're going to attack this idea of the, the self-made man, the self-made woman. That's not true. And anyone, um, any famous person or person of consequence that you see interviewed and says, does this thing, well, I did it. 
and you can do it too if you just do what I did. Uh, that's that's not true because they're not giving credit. They're not giving credit to all the help that they had to enlist in order to do it. I mean, even if you take say Steve Jobs for example, and he, I don't think he ever did this, but Steve Jobs, you know, Stephen Jobs, um, Steve Stephen Jobs, Mr. Jobs, uh, Mr. Jobs, I'll just call him Mr. Jobs. Uh, you know, he was the head of Apple, but he, I mean, how many thousands of people work for Apple? Like he, you know, he didn't do the code necessarily. Like he didn't, maybe in the beginning he did, but but as Apple grew and he started to become like a badass and, and invent the crazy things, he still had to have giant technical teams to implement his vision. And so even he's not a self-made man. Same with Bill Gates. Like they may have started out, they may have started out as a small group, but it's always a group. Okay, and anyone that dents the universe or has anything big, it's a small group in a garage trying to change something and then it grows from there. So one person starts with a vision, but then they enlist the aid of others. And what we don't want to do is we don't want to fall into the trap of I'm going to do it myself, because then the other thing that you don't do is you don't get coaching. Right. We're going to talk a lot about coaching. If I would have understood the value of coaching 20 years ago, I would be in a markedly different place and I would have. I would have had 50 coaches on different things. I would have had a, I would have had a how do you get a girlfriend coach, right? I would have had a how do you work out coach? How do you eat? How do, I mean, everything. I would have got a coach for everything to compress time frames. And if you have this idea that, nope, I'm going to do it myself. Like I have a friend of mine. He's a very smart guy. Super, super, super smart. Very successful. He makes a certain amount of money, right? Like in my opinion, like you tap out at 300 grand if you try to do everything yourself. Like that's the most you can make as a solo practitioner in any industry without leveraging others is about 300 grand if you work all the time. Now, and this is different from industry to industry, but let's just say that's an average, okay, of a professional. And that's where he's at. He works like a dog, tapped himself out, and you know, I was trying to share with him some things that I learned. I was trying to share with him some of the coaching programs that I'm in, because uh, I have coaches too. And he said something to me. He said, I will never pay anyone for training. And, and it, just, it just struck me because it, it made me kind of sad. And I, and I was like, well, I, I, I don't, it wasn't my place to convince him of the value of coaches and training, but that is a classic, I'm gonna do it myself. And it's an isolationist idea, and it's something that will not serve you. And it is very unlikely that he will ever be able to sort of outthink himself or, out, or coach himself higher than where he's at because he's maxed out. And in order for you to kind of knock down some of the barriers in your brain and your mindsets, you need to engage other people to help you do that. So that's the, uh, you know, I, and, and there's an, there's something that I saw today, actually, that kind of bummed me out that I'm going to close with, and I don't know if it's, you know, it's anticlimactic. Maybe I should have started with this and then ended on a high note as I'm, as I'm just talking about my observations of people. But so I got my one friend who's crushing it. You know, he's making a good, you know, 300 grand or whatever he is he's making a year. And he's like, I'm never paying for coaching. And that's one mindset. And then I was in I was in court today. I, I still have some um, some open criminal cases that I'm closing out. I'm not taking. I'm trying not to take new ones, but I'm closing these ones out. So I'm in felony court downtown Los Angeles today. And I'm handling this case, and I continued it, and I'm leaving, and I'm in a really good mood. And I see this guy come out of the elevator, and he has a tattoo on his face that says "Dead End." Like literally, it's huge. It's his entire side of his face it says "Dead End," and it bummed me out because. That guy, somebody gave that guy a mindset, okay, that is that is like the exact opposite of pull yourself up by your bootstraps. It's the mindset of that no matter what you do, you're screwed, okay? And, you know, you can make arguments about the society. You can make arguments about opportunity. You can make arguments about whatever you want to make them about with regards politically, but I don't get into politics here. But I will say is that he adopted a mindset that can be changed. And if if someone would show an interest in that guy, and if someone would have helped him develop a different mindset, he's not going to get a permanent tattoo on his face that says dead end. And, and I don't know what that guy's circumstance is. I don't know what he did. I don't, maybe he didn't do anything. Maybe he was just going there to observe one of, you know, a friend of his or a family member support them that was there in the courthouse. But whatever the issue is, is it made me sad that that mindset that resulted in that and lasting consequences of like, how are you ever going to get a job? or do anything or persuade anyone to your cause if you've got a giant dead end tattoo on your face. And it just it just it just reinforced for me the power of mindsets and the proper mindsets and it terrified me because we all have a version of that. Now we may not get tattoos on our face, but we may say things like I'm never going to pay for training or we may say things like 
I know enough already. Why am I not more successful, right? Or we may say things like, uh, the numbers aren't important right now. I'll handle those later. Or we may say things like, uh, it's just not going fast enough. Whatever. There are mindsets that are the equivalent for you that are having a tattoo of dead end on your face. It's just you don't have the tattoo on your face. And we all have them. It's, it's, there's no end in sight to this, this process and this journey. And so I really, really was terrified of seeing that because I'm like, what do I have that is analogous to that? Because I've got it. And we got to really hunt that stuff down and root it out. And part of that process is this podcast. Part of that process is working with people and persuading them to my mission and then learning from them as well. And so we want to make sure that we start remembering that other people and other people's mindsets and opinions and views are incredibly important to whatever it is that we're trying to accomplish. And we want to surround ourselves with as many positive people, with as many positive mindsets and ideas as we possibly can because we all have one version of I'm never going to pay for training or a tattoo on my face. Okay. And you know, we got to hunt that stuff down and we got to do it together because like I said, we can't pull up our bootstraps. So something to think about. Uh, so remember that this concludes, God, I got to work on this ending transition. Uh, this concludes episode three, section a, the reset on pulling up your bootstraps. And remember there is no end. If you stay on the path, Well, hello there, team. Wade Skalski here, problem solver, playwright, and founder of Clear the Field. Today is episode three, part B, the reframe of pull yourself up by your bootstraps. So yesterday we talked about the sort of cultural myth of the efficacy of pulling yourself up by your bootstraps and the idea that uh, doing it all by yourself is a bad strategy for success. And anyone that's ever dented the universe has always enlisted the help of others. But there is a very common thread among entrepreneurs, creative people, uh, sometimes people who are just uh, entrepreneurs, people who work inside of a business, that they're just going to do it all themselves, like my two-and-a-half-year-old who was like, I'm going to do it, and doesn't let me help her do anything. Like, And she just sits there and struggles to put on her pants for 20 minutes, which is good. I like the independence, but sometimes we all need some help. So today is the reframe. And the first reframe uh, point that I want to make is that so you're sitting there and you agree with me like, okay, I've been trying to do all this by myself. Enlisting the help of others and persuading them to my sacred mission has not been a priority of mine. And now I feel depressed because I'm starting over. And the first thing I want you to understand is 99.9% .9 of you already know enough people to get to wherever you want to go. It's sort of like the six degrees of Kevin Bacon. That's real. There's there's a string of connections and relationships from the group of people that you already know uh, that will get you almost anything that you want. And also, once you put yourself uh, into the universe in terms of uh, focusing on these connections, uh, they will show up randomly. It's just how it works. It's synchronicity. It's whatever you want to call it. It's the universe conspiring to help you. Whatever you want to call it, it's real. It happens uh, just believe me on this. Uh, it's one of the positive things that I've experienced. I, I tell you a lot of landmines that I sit on or sit on. So I can sit on a landmine. That's fine. That I have uh, I probably sat on a few for a while uh, that I have that I have uh, triggered, sat upon, stand on, whatever to avoid them. But I also have some positive things that have happened as a result of these strategies. And the universe will send you people. OK, uh, you just have to be aware of it. So don't fret. You already have all the resources that you want. All right. So then what's your mindset? Well, I am a human being. And so some days I feel altruistic and some days I feel selfish. And so whenever I'm trying to adopt a strategy, I make sure that I put forth something that satisfies both of those uh, those feelings, both of those times that I feel that way. So from an altruistic standpoint, all the great religions say you should treat your neighbor as you treat yourself, basically, is that you should treat others as if we're all the same. You know, if you hurt someone else, you're hurting yourself. You should the golden rule. All the great traditions basically say treat other people like you would like to be treated in some some manner. All right. So that's sort of the altruistic moral reason to do it. The uh, But when you're selfish. It's actually uh, the most the best strategy that you can have over time. All right. There's this concept of an iterated game theory over time where it's very simple. It's when you do something, you want to make sure that it works now, but you also want to make sure that it works 
repeatedly over time for your future self and for others. So it's the idea of game theory is that you want to be able to participate in the game now, but also have people want to participate in with you later. So an example of people who don't do this is psychopaths, right? Like if you're a psychopath, you're probably not listening to this because you know everything already and you're narcissistic and you don't care about listening to what anyone else has to say. So I'm not worried about offending a psychopath, but Psychopaths, basically, they'll move into a network of people or a network of an organization. They'll manipulate and dominate everyone uh, to get what they want. Then they get found out, and then they have to move to another uh, community, organization, group of people, network, whatever. And they just keep moving as they get found out, right? Well, that's uh, that takes a lot of... Uh, First of all, it's it's bad from an altruistic, you know, moral sense. But second of all, it's a bad strategy because there's a lot of startup cost everywhere that you go. It, it, it takes a lot to create things, not as much to maintain things. So that's the whole idea of an iterated game over time is that's why you want to be a good sport, right? You, you want to win the game today, but you also want people to play with you later. I'll give you an example. Uh, I used to be a terrible sport at basketball. I used to... Uh, I'm six, four and a half, as I've said, and I would always have to play the center. I'd always have to be in the middle. So no matter how big the other guy was, the biggest guy I ever played was like seven feet, two inches tall, right? Um, I would have to cover the rim and protect the rim, and, and I used to have some manner of hops or whatever. But I, whenever someone would come behind me and I wouldn't get help, and then there was like a layup would happen behind me or I would have to switch to help and then my guy would score, I would get so pissed because I took it personal that that guy scored and that I took it personal that my teammate didn't help me and I would yell at my teammates, right? So that may make them want to cover the guy in that specific game, but in their head, they're like, I don't want to play with that guy anymore. And it, it made it so that people wouldn't want to play with me as much later. So it's not a successful strategy, right? So instead you should do, um, uh, you should do uh, behaviors in, in sports that make people want to keep playing with you. So uh, for the example, here's a really good example. This just happened this weekend. The Eagles were playing the Saints, and Alshon Jeffrey dropped a pass he should have caught as the Eagles were driving to win the game. All right. Nick Foles is going to be another magical season. So Alshon Jeffries was devastated that he dropped the, the pass that he should have caught. Nick Foles came over to him and said, don't worry about it. And the coach came over to him, and I don't know what the coach said, but you could see that the coach was consoling him. He didn't yell at him. That's like amazing coaching. Like That is so smart because every player on that team sees that, as well as Elshon Jeffrey, and they're all like, I want to play for that guy. All right, so this coach put down his feelings or suppressed his feelings or pushed them down when he felt. I'm sure he was like, curses, 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 Elshon Jeffrey. You just ruined my season. Curses, curses, curses. That's a natural human reaction, but he didn't do that. He was a, he was a, that's why he's, that's why he's elite. That's why he's has one of the 32 jobs that's are of an NFL coach. Okay. So you want to do that with regards to your relationship and connections with other people is that you want to make sure that you reframe it as I want to treat others like I treat myself. Um, I want to be, you know, give value to others one, because it's the right thing to do. But on the days that I feel selfish, it's actually an iterated game that's in my best interest. And what you'll find and what I find really fascinating, and this isn't a religious discussion, but if you can get enough perspective, almost always the moral thing to do that religion tells us to do is the correct thing to do selfishly. It's really interesting. So uh, you, if you get enough perspective on something, the if you follow the sort of the moral rules, uh, they almost by perspective from some of these inter overall game theory issues, it almost is always the best thing for you to do anyway. That's why they're the rules. You know what I mean? Like that's why they're the rules are constructed so that you can live the best over time. Now you can quibble with, well, it's modern times and these apply and these don't apply. I'm not getting into that. I'm talking about the general sense of these rules exist for a reason because that's how the universe works. If you put yourself and there's a, I'm really excited about a topic where we're going to talk in a, in a few weeks about why inequality is good uh, and that's a little tease for you but it's it's there are certain ways that the universe works that if you follow them you actually it's not a one-to-one -one ratio it's an exponential return for you and so that's why the rules are there is not because it's some onerous um, onerous thing that you have to do it's because it's actually good for you and so so that's the issue with basically that, you know, you always want to try to find, okay, an altruistic reason and a selfish reason are usually the same thing. So um, we want to treat others like we, we want to be treated ourselves and we're establishing these relationships. We don't want to be a psychopath and move from location to location or even like go down that the, the spectrum towards psychopath. We want to give value to people because it's the right thing to do, but it's also it's in our best interest. And then um, the other issue, too, is that this is going to take patience. 
All right, you're gonna I'm reframing you into that. This is gonna take time. So if you are um, depending upon this shift to connections and and I'm not gonna call it networking because networking is dumb. Going to an event where other people are going to an event and giving your business card to someone and they give you your business card and you're expecting that something's gonna happen from that in that manner almost never works for two reasons. One, the person that's giving you their business card is not operating from the frame that I just told you. They're operating from a, okay, if this person does something for me, I will do something for them 90% of the time. Because this frame that we're talking about uh, is an elite frame. Okay, the idea is that I'm going to give value to every single person in my life. I'm going to give value to every business associate. I'm going to leave people better than I found them. I'm going to leave money on the table to make sure that everyone wins in these deals is a very, very small minority of people that do that. And so you have to be aware of that and not surprised when people don't act the same way that you do because the return that you get from that strategy is almost always from the side. Okay, it's very rarely do you help someone and then they reciprocate back and it's a one to one back. It's, the universe always delivers it to the side. And then again, this is an example that you're just gonna have to trust me on this. And but you have to have patience. Okay, you have it's the same thing with the grand gesture that we talked about last week. Is that you have to you just realize that it's part of the process and the results that you get, both good and bad, are going to be just part of the process. And that it take, you have to have patience and. Think of it like when you plant a seed, right? Like a little seedling comes up and it's very fragile. And if you try to, to yank at it right away, then it just pulls right out and you got to start over, okay? You've got you've to nurse it and protect it and be patient and it will grow into a tree that can't be pulled out of the ground, but it takes time. And so if you're depending upon this new strategy to pay your bills right now, go get a job because this new strategy is not going to pay your bills right now. You need something that's going to give you six months, seven months, eight months, nine months of time of doing this with no return. But then once you get sort of that flywheel going, it never stops as long as you keep feeding every, feeding value for everyone. But it takes patience, and most people are unwilling to do that because, one, it takes a leap of faith that, hey, this is going to work. Two, it takes patience because – and people are very, very impatient. They want everything right now. But the reason why you know the whole purpose of Clear the Field is to create space for people to be able to get what they want. Well, part of that space is creating a network – around you to support you so that you don't have to do everything yourself. And that compresses timeframes, leverages the networks of other people, but it doesn't leverage it in a way of that it's manipulative. It leverages in a way that people are like, no, I want to help you. And the reason why they want to help you is because you're always adding value. And then you start to find people who are in alignment with your mission, right? Like my ultimate mission, my unicorn mission is to help creative people move towards their creative power. If you think about a triangle, that's the tip of the triangle for me, right? But I can't get there right away, in my opinion. I have to help as many people as I possibly can with clear the field, and those people will start to show up down the down the road. Some of them may show up right away. Some of them may not show up for three years, right? But I know that if I help as many people, you know, create a space for them to get what they want, then then I can start to move into, you know, creating that support system. I can start to move into helping creative people move, move towards their creative power. And, and both of those are meaningful to me, helping, you know, people basically just start to, to learn how to do this process for themselves and then to learn how to, to do the flywheel and then, and then sort of become independent with the process and kind of go their own way. That really is important to me. And, but it's also from a selfish perspective, my ultimate goal five years from now is to be working 100% with creative people, you know, helping them create and, and teaching them these lessons so that, so that they're able to sort of navigate both the, the universe and, you know, the, the order of the universe and the chaos. But that's a, I'm digressing on that. But, but I know for, I just know for a fact that I have to help. That's too small of a group of people, right? There may be like four people like that, that I'm going to help. I have no idea, but the, the, the I need to help a, a large group of people do the same thing for them because improving your life is a creative act changing your life is a creative act. So it's the same thing. It's just, I want to eventually get to specifically people who are creating art, right? But the only way that I get there is to go through this process and that takes patience. And I'm willing to put in, if it's 10 years, it's 10 years because because the, the, the skills of what I'm teaching people are exactly the same. The clear the field process is exactly the same. And by the time that I get there five years from now or 10 years from now, I'm going to be a lot better at it than I am now because I'll have been doing the, the reset, reframe, restart review process over and over and over again and I will be better and more clear on what I'm doing five years from now than I am today and so when that unicorn 
that I want to help comes in, that that like um, super creative person who needs to be, you know, needs to kind of has a wild horse for a brain and needs a little help on, on putting a, you know, putting a little fence around it so they can create, um, I'll be ready for that person. And then, um, but that's going to take a lot of work and, and that's going to take a lot of time. But along the way, um, there's a ton of people that this can be helpful for. And it's just a different type of creation. And that's what I'm excited about because seeing people improve their lives, seeing people be able to orient themselves upward, right? Uh, orient themselves towards something they want to achieve is exciting because if you don't have a way to do that, inevitably, you'll start to point downward. You'll start to become frustrated, upset. You know, you will, you'll, you, you will maybe do alternate, you know, bad habits to adjust for the reason why you feel the way that you feel. And, and, and then you kind of go, you're either expanding or contracting and there's no neutral life. Doesn't let you do that. There's no, there's no, there's no neutral in the universe. There's always, you know, every garden has weeds that must be picked. Every field must be tilled every season. And, um, if I can help people point upward and move towards what they want, that's an act of creation as well. And so that satisfies my sacred mission of helping people move towards our creative power. It's just a different, area or arena that I'm working in. Um, and so that takes patience. And so I have to practice what I, what I'm trying to tell you and I'm willing to put in that time because that's what it takes. And you should be willing to put in that time for what you want to do, whatever your sacred mission is. And so the reframe on this to kind of summarize is that you already know everyone that you need to know. And if you don't, the universe will give it to you. You need to add as much value as you possibly can to everyone around you for the next six months with no expectation of any return. And, uh, you want to think about this as an iterated game over time that, that when you deal with people, the dealing with them is good for you now and it's good for the person that you're going to be two years from now and then also good for them. So because it's in your best interest selfishly and it's also the right thing to do. And again, with enough perspective, those things are almost always the same. So that basically concludes the reframe for pull you up by your bootstraps. And remember, there is no end if you stay on the path. Hello there team, Wade Skalski here, problem solver, playwright, and founder of Clear the Field. Today's episode is this, Pull Yourself Up by Your Bootstraps, section C of episode three, restart. So we've done the reset, we've done the reframe, we've attacked the, the myth of the self-made man, the self-made woman, someone who's done it all of themselves. And now we've also looked at the reframe, uh, which is, it's gonna take time, uh, we want to make sure that we spend the next six months with no expectation of return. Uh, so what do we do over the next six months? Well, the first thing actually is uh, there's a step, there's a foundational step that you have to take that if you haven't taken yet, then you're not going to do anything on this. You're going to put a pin in this and you're going to be polite to everyone. You're going to uh, not have expectations of people, but you're not going to actively invest or add value to other people right now. And that step is... Uh, get yourself in order, okay? So if you are in a situation to where you're in crisis, if you are in a situation to where you don't feel like you have a space to operate, if you are in a situation that you have no idea sort of at a foundational level what you're doing or what's happening, uh, you are not in a place to add value to other people. The first thing you want to do is get yourself in order and get your immediate space in order, all right? Uh, you can do that through the clear the field process where we identify mindsets, skill sets, and creating an environment for success. Uh, you don't have to have everything perfectly in play. You don't have to have everything in perfectly in order, but you have to have some level of order where you're like, okay, I'm at least solid. I have a solid foundation to stand on. And the reason for this is that it's really hard to invest into other people if you're all freaked out or if you don't know what your situation is or what's happening next. So think about your relationships, right? Like if you have kids, let's say that you were going to work the whole day and then um, you had a, a really intense conversation with a client and, and you didn't sort of uh, clear that out of your head before you come home, you're short with your kids, you yell at them, you have no patience for them and you forget they're two years old. Who, who has ever done that? Me? No. Um, 
if you are a mom and you watch your kids all day and you get worn down, worn down, worn down, and it's just complete chaos and you can't get a break, same thing happens, okay? Well, it's really hard to invest in your children in those two situations. It's really hard to invest, and they're your kids. Like, you're, you're required to like them. It's not a strategic choice to try to add value to their life. Like, that's your job. You've accepted that responsibility uh, by having them. So um, that's issue number one. So for the restart is get yourself an order, and, and it just to a level of, like, I'm okay. If you can say, okay, I'm okay. If you're by yourself, if you're not married or anything like that, you're like, I'm okay. You know, I've got a good handle. Things are, are operating okay in my life. I don't have I don't have repeat crises from the same areas all the time. Some something may pop up unforeseen, but I'm not struggling repeatedly in areas. So tackle the, that first. Clear, you know, um, get yourself in order first before you even attempt to start to uh, invest in other people. Invest in. Uh, organizations around you that's step number one so once let's let's assume that you're there you're like wait you're wasting my time I wouldn't be listening to your genius podcast if I wasn't already in order that's why I'm listening to it to get better uh, slight percentages of increasing Uh, or you've spent the time and you've you've put a pin in it now you've come back and you're like okay uh, things are good solid not not or exactly where I want them to be but uh, I have a solid foundation so what's next well then what's next is once you sort of have a good space to operate from in your personal life you want to start to figure out what your sacred mission is, all right? You want to figure out something that's bigger than you that you want to commit yourself to uh, that involves other people, okay? Um, and that can be, that can be I want to, it can be totally oriented towards your family, it can be toward, totally oriented towards business, but it's not, it's not a self-improvement goal. It's something that's outside of you, that's above you. Because like a self-improvement goal, Totally, I'm totally a fan of goals and targets and to improve yourself. I have a lot of them, but that are specific to me. But there has to be, uh, you'll give up on yourself every single time. Every single time. Uh, and the way, reason why I know that is because the, uh, the, there's a myth of willpower, right? You don't have any willpower. Um, there's a book called The One Thing, and they talk about this, and it, I highly recommend that you read it. It's on my reading list. And, and actually, I've, what I'm going to do is I'm going to create a top 10 reading list. Um, I'm putting that together and you'll be able to download that for free uh, and then I'll provide a link in the notes below once that's ready that's step one of sort of uh, sort of value that I can give to you is a, a reading list and it's gonna be an organic reading list where uh, and this is a digression uh, where if I read a new book I have to decide does this book enter into the top 10 and I have to take something out so I'm gonna come up with a top 10 reading list it's gonna be very eclectic and you'll be able to download it for free uh, with my commentary on why I chose each book uh, so that's phase one of me adding value to you and then phase two is I'm gonna uh, do an action guide for the clear the field method uh, reset reframe restart review uh, a little action guide that's free as well and so if you get the reading list and the action guide isn't prepared, you automatically get on the, you automatically get on the list to get that once it's done. Uh, if you're listening to this, both of those things may be available, uh, just depending upon when in time that you're going to, uh, you're listening to this. So, but those are the next two steps for me to add value to you besides this podcast. So, uh, so anyway, so I digress. So your sacred mission, you got to figure out what it is, and you're not going to get it right, uh, right away. In fact, it's it's uh, it's going to be an organic experience. For me, I started out with, well, I want to move people towards their creative power. That's sort of what I settled on. And then that was too narrow. And then I moved more into, I want to create space for people to get what they want. And that's sort of how Clear the Field was born, how the co- the combining of the legal service and the coaching was put together for the, the expungement service, the post-conviction, people cleaning up their records, uh, then added with um, the, the class that would increase the probability of having the moving papers granted and give something, uh, give someone to someone beyond the grand gesture of just getting the, the, their record cleaned up. So that, the, between those, that's the sort of the tension between those two sacred missions. And I keep toying and playing with it uh, all the time. So in my working papers, during my meditation, uh, whenever I'm, I'm doing something, my mind will throw something at me and then I'll, I'll put it in the blender, put it in the mix, and then um, see if, just like my reading list, if it, if it enters into the sacred mission or if the sacred mission stands the test of time. So your your sacred mission should be able to survive moderate attacks from you because if it can't survive your own brain it's not going to survive when you express it to someone and they mock you 
Okay, so unless you have time tested the, your sacred mission in your moving or your working papers in your own brain over time organically again and again and again and you revisit it again and again, whenever it comes up in your head or you have a reason to um, and you're going to have a reason to because the next step I'm about to tell you, then you're never going to be able to, to be strong enough or, or that sacred mission is not going to be, uh, I guess, fleshed out enough to survive someone mocking you or, or, or then even worse, wanting you to explain it to them why that's your sacred mission. Because a lot of people will pick something like the environment. I want to fight for the environment. Awesome. Why? Why, why you? Okay. There's, there's a million people. You can outsource fighting for the environment to other people, right? You can recycle and do your own part and your reduce your carbon footprint, but to select the environment as something that you're going to dedicate your life to, that's above you and is part of your sacred mission, why you, okay? And if you, well, because it's cool. No, I don't care, it's cool. Uh, yeah, it's cool, great, awesome, it's, it's great. There's a 10 million, there's an infinite number of cool things to fight for, because that's what it is. A sacred mission is gonna be a fight. People are gonna test you, the universe is gonna test you, so I don't really care that it's cool and it's altruistic and it's nice. What's the selfish reason that you're doing it? What, is it, what does it provide for you, okay? What are the experiences in your life that led you to choose that because I believe that the universe puts us in a place for a reason, okay? Uh, I'm not a, a Buddhist because I wasn't born into the Buddhist tradition. I was born into the Christian tradition. So, you know, Western civilization values, uh, Christian tradition, those type, you know, Ju Judeo-Christian values, those types of things is, is the, the, the framework that I operate from because that's what I was immersed in growing up. So that's my, that's my operating framework uh, because that's my life experience. And so what are your life experiences about the environment? I mean, were you brought up in a wigwam in the forest? Did you have a religious experience while hiking? Like, what's the reason? Okay, and it can't just be like, I think it's cool. So that's issue number one, sacred mission that you can defend, all right? Not only from yourself, but from others that mock you and others that actually want to know why and the real reason why, all right? And then once you kind of have that sacred mission in mind, then uh, impact stories, okay? So... An impact story is an experience that you've had that moved you that you can share with someone else that may move them. Okay? Very simple. This stuff is not complicated. And within that and within your sacred mission, all right? Because people are going to ask you what do you do, right? And you have to have a one sentence answer, then you have to have a 2-minute elevator speech, then you have to have a 10-minute to 20-minute presentation that you can, you know, flow charts whatever PowerPoint and you got to be able to talk about it for 3 hours. Right. And you have to have these conversations build on top of one another, one another uh, to the point of where that you can go into any situation without preparation and tell people your sacred mission and tell them impact stories about why that's true to you. So I'll give you an example of an impact story for me. So um, I, in a previous podcast, talked about how I came to California to explore the creative options open to me. And uh, I had some success. I had some meetings on some television shows. I uh, got real close on some shows you would definitely recognize. Uh, I, I had uh, a, a famous person who was, if his brother was attached to my, my project, it would have got made, but it wasn't his brother. It was the, it was the uh, I don't know, can you say redheaded stepchild? Like, is that, is that politically incorrect to say that? It was the redheaded stepchild brother uh, who, who, who is in stuff, lots of stuff, and you know who it is, but he can't get things made just by saying, I want that made. So, uh, you know, guess in the comments below, and if someone guesses it, I'll, I'll give you the thumbs up on it. So uh, so I explored all that, and then it didn't work because I, I didn't understand the concept of business. I didn't un understand the concept of investing in other people around me, the idea of the idea how we're talking about networking, not the networking of events, but actually building relationships with people and adding value to everyone else. And so I burnt out and I didn't because I wasn't getting any any return, emotional return, emotional success um, from the process because I was totally results oriented, not process oriented. And so I totally burned out. And that sort of started this process of, well, how would you do this as a creative person? Right. And that's when I was exposed to the idea of the engine where you can create an engine that allows you time uh, to then self-produce your own work. And that's my theory for creativity. So um, actors do this all the time. They'll work at a job that allows them to be flexible, to go to auditions, and that pays their bills. And that is a form of an engine. That's the, that's the employee form of an engine, right? I'm more in favor of an entrepreneurial engine to where eventually you're able to have as much time as you want. My ultimate dream is to go to Camden, Maine for a summer and take a, a question about the universe that I want to explore and answer for myself and take three months with my family and just do it, 
right? And then have money and not have the time and have things run. And that takes an entrepreneurial CEO mindset to do that uh, because I don't want to be broke. The, the, the broke actor idea does not appeal to me. So what I did then is I said, okay, so if I'm going to self-produce something and I need an engine to do that, how would that, what would that look like? So I constructed my, my legal, um, my legal business, my, my law firm at the time, uh, to do that. And it worked. So I was able to, uh, donate to the fringe festival as a sponsor. I was able to have enough time off because I controlled my own schedule to go to all the events. I was able to have the money to hire a creative coach. I was able to have the money to be able to, um, spend money on production and not worry about making money back. And when I was writing it, because I didn't care about if it was going to be commercially successful or commercially viable, um, I was able to, I was able to do it and write the show that I wanted to write. I never had to have make a decision of, is this going to be accepted by someone? Is this going to be, um, can I say this? Because if I, if I don't, then it's, then it's going to offend someone and they're not going to like it and it won't be commercially successful and nobody will come. Right. Cause I didn't care about being commercially successful and I could do a true piece of art, say what I wanted to say for me. Right. And I didn't know how it was going to turn out. I didn't have a, you know, the purpose of drama is to entertain. It's not to preach. It's not to, um, it's not to, to give people answers to things. They may take answers from it or it may give them insight, but the, the, the number one job of, of a play or in the theaters to entertain. Um, and if you, if you go into political speech, then it's propaganda. If you go into those areas, um, then it's not, then it's, it's not what you want. Okay. So in my opinion, and the rules of drama support that as do thousands of years of drama. So, but the point is that I had an engine that is able to produce the show that I want. And it was, it was as true a piece of art as I could create with my limited creative, creative abilities and my limited theater abilities at the time okay but the the engine allowed me to do it freely and that was that was the it didn't the standing ovation I got for it at the last show was cool it's awesome and and the, the fact that people went to it and they laughed and they liked it and I got good reviews and all that and I, and I won an award for for it I run a producer's award an ensemble producer's award where they brought me back for a show like that was awesome okay I'm not gonna lie those were results that were um that were good but but if I wouldn't have had any of those results and it was an abysmal failure what I learned from that of the freedom of the of the engine allowing me to produce it the way I wanted to produce it gave me more than any any commercial success ever could and that uh, and I was able to say what I wanted to say without fear of how people would react and that's freedom I mean that is as fr uh, to me that was as free as I could possibly be at that time and so that's an impact story where I share that with you and then hopefully that moves you emotionally a little bit like wow maybe I could do that like yes you can do that if you're a creative person let me give you another example from business. So in business, um, my, I was in a business for a while. That it's my legal business after 20 years. I just burnt out on it because I, uh, I wasn't focusing on the entrepreneurial aspects of the business as much as I was focusing on the, the sort of tactical where it's just like, let's just make money and the money will always solve it. And so I burnt out. And so that was a learning lesson. Um, and what happened is, is that as I, um, the entanglements piled up in that business, uh, I, I had less and less space to operate so much so where at one point we were in legal proceedings for eviction. Okay. And I had no space to operate at that time. Zero. It, it was like I, every move was a bad move. No matter what I did, it wasn't going to work. I thought, and, um, you know, but because of the clear of the field process, because of all the skill sets and, and most importantly, the mindsets that I had developed over the last two years of being like, I have to change something. I have to improve myself. I have to figure this out and get a different mindset to change my life. I was okay during that time, you know, in my head. And I talked about it before where I was, I, it was settled in my head. I was like, okay, so these are the moves I'm going to make. I think they're going to get us out of legal proceedings for eviction. And if they were, if this works, then that will buy us enough time to where the new skill sets and mindsets I've developed and my new plan will give us enough time to work. If they don't work and we get evicted, then I'm okay with that. All right. And I had a space to move from. And that's the other side of clear the field where it's, it's we help, I help people create a space to clear the field so that they have room to operate to get what they want. Because if you don't have space to operate, you, you won't make moves to point you in the right direction, to point you upward towards what you want, towards your goals and targets. But I had done enough work on the mindsets and the skill sets and the environment to where I could be, I could operate from kind of a free position there. So from the, the height of the, the one-man show to the low of being in the eviction process, I was free in both places. 
And, but the only reason I was free was because of the, the mindsets I had developed and the processes I had developed where I had the habits of, okay, I'm freaked out right now. I have anxiety through the roof, but I have the habit of I do this to produce money every single day. I do this to produce new clients every single day. And it doesn't matter if I'm feeling super, super high or I'm anxious that we're going to get um, – I'm anxious that we're going to get evicted. I have created the space and the habits enough to where it's automatic, or at least it requires uh, just a, a little bit of willpower. The more stress I get, that I can I can summon, and those two opposite ends of the spectrum are both the same. And and that's the you know I, I didn't get in, I didn't get into too much to the plus minus game, which we're going to talk about in the, in the future podcast. But those are impact stories, and they may move you, they may not move you, but I know this. If I tell you, if I get to a million people with that story, it's going to move somebody and somebody's going to be like, yes, I would like to self-produce my creative, my creative work and be free to do it. Yes, I would like to develop a mindset and a skill set to where when the world is falling apart and, uh, you know, you're getting struck by lightning out of the blue, which happens to all of us. And, and you know, suddenly everything is dark, um, you know, reminds me last two nights ago, my son is teething and he's he's eight months old and. Um, he started crying uncontrollably when he woke up, right? And he's never cried from teething, ever. And he was in such pain, and he was crying so consistently, and we couldn't get him to stop crying for a while that I immediately switched from something's wrong. He ate something, like a piece of plastic that we missed, or he's sick, or he has appendicitis, and I immediately went into, uh, in mythology, went into the underworld, okay? And my, so I went from today's a great day, Everything is awesome. We're kicking butt. Things are working out. And in one second, I was in the underworld because of my son. And that can happen at any time. But if you have a space to operate from and you have habit and practice to do that, then you're free to make the best decisions. And we gave him some teething stuff and he calmed down. Okay, it was teething. But those are impact stories. And, you know, that's what you have to come up for yourself, right? Once you get yourself in order, then you come up with your sacred mission that you know is going to change, but you get it up to the best of your understanding and conception as it is right now, and then you start to move forward. The universe will provide you with impact stories. You just have to recognize them and remember them, okay? Because when the um, eviction process was happening, I knew that that was going to be an impact story no matter what happened. If I got evicted, it was going to be an impact story. If we got out of it, it was going to be an impact story. And so, you know, you need to kind of get a collection of those because then you can start to invest when someone else is ready to hear you after you've added enough value and they ask you for real, what are you doing? What are you trying to do? Not what do you do at a cocktail party where you're like, oh, I'm an attorney or whatever. But they say, you're in a conversation. You're connected with a person. You've given them enough value over time and you've established enough of a relationship where they trust you. At least to enough, enough to ask you, what are you trying to do? And then you tell them. And then you share an impact story with them. And then they're going to get on board with you or they're not. And you'll know it may be a result of them. It may be a result of your skill in relating the story. Like I gave you the impact stories very, uh, very matter of factly. Like this is what happened. This is the impact story. I didn't have a lot of emotion in it. I didn't have a lot of bells and whistles in it. Uh, you know, and that is something that I need to work on with regards to um, those stories. But mostly it's because I'm talking to a microphone and I'm not talking to a person. You invariably, when you're talking to a person, you will dramatize your impact stories naturally because we all dramatize the weather. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh my God, it was it's raining in LA today, and it's the it's the cats and dogs living together, raining, pouring. Um, you know, it's natural. You'll naturally give it some emotion when you're dealing with a person, and if you've put yourself together, you have a sacred mission, and you understand it's going to change. You have some impact stories attached to that sacred mission. Then you have a toolkit to to persuade people to your um, to your mission. And eventually, you tell that story enough time, those stories enough time, you're going to get better at it, and somebody's going to say yes. And then you're going to have a true connection and a, someone to truly support you. And it doesn't take that many people. Here's the thing. Um, I can't remember the exact number, but Oprah said there were like six people that were responsible for her to become a billionaire, right? Six people. It, you know, it might be two. For you, you don't need to become a billionaire. If you want to become a billionaire, great. Go be a billionaire. But my sneaking suspicion is, is that for whatever your sacred mission is, it's not to become a billionaire. It's not. And... You may become a billionaire as a result of your sacred mission, but that's because the universe has decided that you're a strong enough and a good enough steward for what you're trying to do and that the universe needs what you're trying to do enough that you need to become a billionaire, okay? So the universe decides that. You don't. Get clear on your sacred mission. Put yourself together and get some impact stories together. And then you have 
You have a toolkit to accomplish whatever you want in the world. I promise you. Take the next six months. Don't have any expectation of return from anyone. Give it a shot. That concludes episode C, the restart of Pull Yourself Up by Your Bootstraps on episode three. And remember, there is no end if you stay on the path. Well, hello there, team. Wade Skalski here, problem solver, playwright, and founder of Cleared the Field. Today's episode is this review of episode three, Pull Yourself Up by Your Bootstraps. So uh, a couple things that uh, worked and didn't work. This time I actually listened to the previous three episodes with pen and paper in hand, and that allowed me to record about 30 things uh, that I wanted to change but I picked sort of the highlights for the review that were the biggest ones I thought, and then the other ones go in my working papers that for the 30-day review after we have another week of episodes, then I will do a 30-day review for myself and kind of tackle from 30 to 60 days to try to fix some of those problems. One thing I noticed is I don't, I'm not having conformity in my episode titles. Sometimes it says the title of the episode and then review, reset, reframe, whatever. Sometimes it has those reverse. Sometimes they're not capitalized. So I got to get conformity in the title so that it, it looks the same every time. I'll figure that out. The other thing is, so it's Friday. So I typically try to do the review podcast on Thursday. Uh, I did the I listened to everything really early in the morning yesterday when I was super fresh. It's the first thing I did when I got up. So it was like 530 when I listened to it. And then the day just went totally crazy on me. And I got, I, I tried to do this podcast at 10 p.m. last night when I was, got off from my day of working and I was totally fried and it was horrible. And then my daughter got up out of bed and was making a ruckus and came to see me and was crying. And so the universe was, was telling me, don't do that that late at night, do it when you're fresh. So late at night does not work. I've noticed that there are some peas. Uh, filter, so some puh sounds, puh, 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 puh. and then, uh, so I think I get a filter, fix the settings, or just be a little bit further away from the microphone, because that was kind of annoying, so, all right, so let's get into some of the substantive things, so I had said this week that one of the reasons why my impact stories uh, didn't have a lot of emotion to them was because I was talking to a microphone and not to a person, that's actually a skill that I needed to develop, is to have the same amount of emotion or more emotion than when I would talking to a person, so that when you listen to this, it, it translates through the medium. So I probably need to have about 10 to 15% more emotion than I normally would when trying to get a point across for it to be even, if that makes sense. So that's one thing is that, that was sort of a cop-out that I gave to myself this week is like, nope, I need to increase the skill of the emotions when I'm actually, uh, when it's required. And, and just because it's a podcast, I'm not speaking to a person doesn't mean that I, I can't be emotional. I need to be even more emotional. So I'm using Camtasia this week, C-A-M-T-A-S-I-A. -A. It's a pretty cool program for recording what's on your desktop, for doing projects for marketing, and it has a, a voice narration. So I think when I try to put the review or the total episode together after this, the way that it has it is going to be a lot better than trying to muddle through the web recording. So I'm excited about that. And then just for content. So couple things. So I've talked a lot about patience, about how it takes six months of patience, six to eight months of patience for doing this once you sort of get yourself together. And how do we do that, right? Like, is it just, we, we want to try to have tools to do that, not just try to muscle it and willpower it, because we don't want to be burning all of our willpower, a very scarce resource on, on our creative capital on patience. So the, the biggest thing that I've learned is that the more strategy you've done in advance, the more you've planned out in advance, the more patient you are. And this makes sense. I mean, if you lay down, okay, I'm going to first just identifying that this is going to take six months at least of me giving value with no expectation of return, that sets the frame right there. But then if you start to set some targets for yourself, the number of people you want to add to your network, the number, the type of person you want to add to your network, then you, you can deal with people on an individual level and focus on them and be present and not try to run to the next thing. So if you don't do the strategic work before in your working papers and you run out there and try to be all tactical, the problem with that is, and this, this is not just in this context, but in all contexts, if you run out and just try to be tactical and do a bunch of work and muscle it, then in your mind, the solution 
to getting what you want is more work, more tactical. So that when you're dealing with someone and talking to them, your mind is telling you, you need to be talking to someone else right now. You need to be go doing more work with someone else right now. And you're not focused or present with the task or the person that you're doing. So the less strategic work that you have done and you try to just run out and just go do it, then you're really impatient because in your head, you have to keep working until you get the result that you want. And you don't have the result that you want when you're talking to the person you're talking to. So it makes you not present and want to run out there. So uh, strategy equals patience. Tactical equals panic. And so we do not want to approach people with a panic mentality. We want to approach them with patience. And we also talked a little bit about, hey, listen, you got to have some faith that this is going to work. And faith comes from two, two things. It becomes from experience and it comes from authority. So I'm putting myself out there as an authority in terms of the clear the field method. But some of the tools and tactics that I'm talking about are very common across other other people. So if you don't want to treat me as an authority and you want to do research on some of the uh, the strategies and tactics that I'm telling you, it's out there. Go get a book on what I'm talking about and you'll see. They'll tell you. Give value first. Be patient. It takes time, right? And so you can verify through authority and then you can have faith that it's going to work. And then you can also verify it through experience. So you will have experiences that you're paying attention to you to if you're tracking them, you're writing things down in your journal that will verify the path that you're on is working. And at the beginning, it'll be very, very small. Like you're not un very unlikely that you're gonna have a billionaire in the first week say, hey, I'm gonna give you whatever money you need to do whatever you want, okay? But you will have people buy into what you're doing even though you don't want them to, right? You're trying, you're like, no, I'm waiting six months. Please, I'm just wanna interested in what you're doing and they're gonna ask you what you're doing. You're gonna tell them an impact story and they're gonna to wanna to try to help you. And that's gonna have that's going to happen, but that's not what you're looking for, but it will. And once those things start to happen, then your personal experience helps fuel that faith that's going to work. So in the beginning, you gotta go completely on authority. So until you're clear on the authority that you're listening to, go get more authority. So if it's read 10 books on the topic and then you say, okay, this, these are all constant, this seems the same, so then I can have faith going forward and you can put it to bed because you don't wanna be second guessing the process, you wanna be 100% present with the people you're trying to add value to and have, a, and have total faith that the process is going to work. And the way that you do that is by verifying through authority and then every single time that you get an experience that feeds you and feeds that faith, then your faith gets stronger. And then it's, it, you, go from, you go from believing to knowing. And then when you are dealing 100% in certainty and knowing when you're dealing with people, then you come from a completely different space and you have so much more power and leverage when you, and you are so much more attractive in that space and you but you have to earn that space through either the work through researching the authority or through tracking your experience and then the other thing is i was i was talking about sacred mission and then my unicorn mission and i just wanted to clean that up and be a little more more clear as, as this is that you have to have sort of a broader direction for your sacred mission that is big enough for you right now it could be uh, your mission may be small for another person or huge for another person, but it has to be broad enough for you so that you have a general area to point to so that when you get confused about what to do next or an opportunity comes to you and you say to yourself, should I leverage this opportunity, then you'll have a, a sacred mission to to basically guide you right but you also want to have an extremely narrow what i call unicorn mission and that unicorn mission when you are extremely narrow on it then what happens is, is you're, you're doing your sacred mission you're doing all of your things you're helping people you're adding value you're moving forward and whatever it is that you're trying to do and then when that unicorn pops up you know to dial in like you know to focus in i actually had this experience today and it's so funny that we're we're talking about this i got so excited about it so uh, I was sitting down and I was just asking people questions, uh, a couple that they, they run a theater here in Los Angeles, and I was asking them some questions about uh, on the finance side and, and on the business planning side and all of that, how I can help them and, and, and add value. And I was just trying to figure out what they're trying to do. And they had this idea where what they wanted to do was they wanted to do a workshop for playwrights that to a 12-week, it was either six or 12 weeks, they're still figuring that out, where they help playwrights self-produce their work. Now, that is, that is my unicorn mission, right? And, and here I'm having lunch with two people who are telling me that they're going to create a workshop. That's my, that's my stated mission is to help creative people move towards their creative power, right? I'm trying to give people engines 
so that they can go self-produce their own work. And these people are telling me, yeah, we want to do a workshop that teach people how to self-produce their own work. That's my unicorn mission. So I dialed right in. I listened, I listened, I listened. I said, okay, here's my broad mission. I didn't use unicorn mission because sometimes that people that freaks people out. They don't know what it means. But I said, here's my broad mission. I do all everything I can to help keep people create a space so that they can get what they want. That's, that's the creative process for people to create their life how they want. But my very, my very narrow mission that eventually that I want to get to is working 100% with is helping creative people move towards their creative power. And what you just described to me is what you're trying to do is perfectly in alignment with that. So how can I help you? And then we just talked for another 30 minutes on I had some ideas for things on the business side to help prepare them for that. And they were excited and I was excited and we were in alignment. And the moment they said that they were going to do that workshop, I was like, okay, yes, this is 100% I'm on board. And the energy that I brought to it because I had the unicorn mission within my sacred mission got them on board immediately. So now I don't know what's going to happen from that, but here's what I do know is that my I'm closer to my mission than I was three hours ago because I was clear on it and because the universe brought me some people that are in alignment with what I'm trying to do. And I was I didn't know that when I was sitting down with them for lunch. I was just I was just energizing them in my network and doing what I'm telling you guys to do is like I'm just gonna sit down, I'm gonna have lunch, we're gonna split the lunch because it gets really expensive if you buy everyone lunch and we're just gonna talk. And all I did was listen. I listened for an hour. I didn't I didn't say anything about what I was trying to do. I just let them talk and talk, and I just listened and listened. And then it came out, and then I, I listened some more, and then I narrowed in. I told them my sacred mission. I told them my impact story about my wife that I have with the creative, with the creative thing that she did. And they're like, yes, that makes perfect sense, and now we are in alignment. And so I'm incredibly excited about that opportunity, but I'm, I'm, I'm just as excited to share it with you because that's an impact story that gives an experience that gives me more faith, that hopefully will give you more faith, and then in how important it is to have your broad sacred mission, but you want to have your, your very, very narrow unicorn mission in there so that when that unicorn pops up, you, you dial right in. So if your mind is wandering on something else, if you're worried about business problems or family problems or relationship problems or whatever it is, it doesn't matter, you know that when that unicorn comes up, you just, you just get – there was a Kevin Costner sports movie where he was a pitcher, and before he would pitch, you'd say, clear the mechanism, and then everything would fade out except for the batter. You just do that, you, and that's what happens. If you, if, but if you, don't, if you haven't identified it, then, and it's vague, and you haven't worked through it, then that, that conversation goes totally different. They say something like that, and you're like, oh, that's really cool. I don't know why that's cool, but it's sort of along long lines of where I am, but then I don't bring the same intensity, power, focus, to the conversation and I don't try to I, I, I don't try to bring my 100% A game necessarily because you're going to have a lot of conversations and some of them are going to be good and some of them are not but if you have that sacred mission that broad sacred mission and that very narrow unicorn mission then you have two poles that you're always in between the tension of and you can you can get to where you need to go so it was incredibly excited today I mean it's like holy holy shit I was like this is amazing and then uh, I get to tell you guys about it. So one, one, I'm glad that I didn't have to do the podcast last night because it would have just sort of gone out into the ether um, and I would have had it in my working papers, but this wouldn't have the opportunity in the review to, to, to tell you that. So uh, I hope that that has an impact on you and it's exciting. Now, I don't know where it's going to go, but here's what I do know is that it's something to explore. And if, if we can all stay on the same page, we can actually create something and bring more art into the world for people that want to self-produce it and then from there, you know, there may be access to people where I can help them with clear the field so that they can actually come up with the money to self-produce it because it's not cheap. So so that's what happened today. I'm super excited about it, and I hope that was helpful for you. Um, the, 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 there are some mechanical things I've identified. There were some content things this week I cleaned up. But, I, again, this is the, the second full episode in this format, and I'm really enjoying it, and I hope you're enjoying it. So that concludes episode D review for pull yourself up by your bootstraps. And remember, there is no end if you stay on the path.